0: You're listening to Agile Next, the next-generation Agile talk show. I'm Daniel Gulo. And
1: I'm Stephen Forte. Each week, we ask industry leaders to share their past experiences with Agile practices and to provide their insights into where Agile is heading to next.
0: The show is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and by visiting our website at www.agilenext.tv.
1: This episode is brought to you by Applebrook Consulting and Fresco Capital.
0: Whatever your Agile needs, Applebrook Consulting can help with training and coaching. Visit our website at www.apple-brook.com.
1: Fresco Capital is a global venture capital firm focusing on entrepreneurs building global businesses. Visit our website at fresco.vc. Episode
0: 31, January 19th, 2017. Today on our show, we have James Gifford, who oftentimes goes by the name of Scarmando. James is known for his conference speaking episodes, and he's a well known Agile coach. He's one of the co founders of Agile Uprising, which was born out of the Heart of Agile conference, which he was also the conference organizer for. James is well known for his utility belt of Agile supplies. And has contributed to my book, Real World Agility. So, welcome to our show, James.
2: Thank you, Daniel. It's uh, it's a pleasure being on the show.
0: So, walk us through how the Heart of Agile Conference spawned uh, an entire movement within the Agile movement.
2: So, so the Heart of Agile Conference it was it was centered in Philadelphia, um, and I teamed up with um, my former consulting uh, teammate, Jason Cusack uh, and the Genesis Consulting at the time that uh, I was with, and we had decided that we were going to get together with Alistair Coburn. Um, He was he was in the you know, it was around the time that he started pushing the heart of Agile. Um, His his movement around getting back to the basics of agility, uh, really focusing on uh, collaborating to deliver and then reflecting to improve. So getting back to the basics, distilling Agile into its fundamentals. Um, and, and we saw a lot of value in investing in that um, space and the notion and the idea, um, because we run around with a really pro- pragmatic group of in- individuals. Um, so when when Alistair was like, any takers on this conference, um, I said, sure. Why not? I have no experience planning events. I've never done a conference before, but we'll go out on a limb. We're we're smart individuals. We'll figure it out. We'll throw it up on a Kanban board. We'll get it done. And uh, we we went forward. Um, so out of that two day event, we got to hang out with a lot of um, people in the community in the Philly Agile uh, circle that you know we all knew and. Uh, in some way or another. So it's, you know, the six degrees of separation to Kevin Bacon's, as we were joking at the uh, Valley Forge Casino, um, about six hours into the happy hour uh, on the end of day one. Um, So we started really, what it really came down to was, we started talking about uh, the agile community groups in the Philly area and how some of the value had just kind of uh, eroded away so we weren't really getting as much out of the agile community as we as we did Um, we we were all fired up and rowdy about uh, the the recent turnover of the board uh, at the scrum alliance and and the stability that was there and you know we we started going well what's going on there Um, you know is is it going to, are they really going to be like that agile mindset, that mentor place where we want to go um, conference wise for the online? They have some online groups uh, on LinkedIn, but they're predominantly filled with trolls. Um, people that just, you know, it's very core, very poor. If you're posting anything, that's a little uh, out there, they're, they're going to, you're going to get jumped on. This isn't core scrum. So we, you know, being the pragmatic, pragmatic people we were, being dissatisfied with the, the current state of um, you know agile Philly and um, you know agile Delaware was it was kind of hit or miss uh, around the time we were attendance was down. we decided that we would start our own slack channel and we would we would go out and start forming our own community uh, and that was Jason Cusack and Ryan. So the genesis of a very, very long night. At the uh, Valley Forge Casino, um, we had we had formulated a plan. We had started talking about creating a board, what our what our charter would be, and we um, we set off. And then about three or four three or four days later, um, Jason Cusack reached out and said, "Hey, I got the slack up. I had pretty much forgot about the conversation." Uh, at that point, um, it was you know after. After conference, uh, shock of, you know, oh my God, look what we did over the last three days. But I'm definitely, I'm definitely sure that you two are uh, very, very aware of that feeling of coming, that that shock of, oh my God, the conference is done. I can now uh, (laughs) take three breaths. But so that was really the genesis was that Alistair Coburn had set things in motion, the dissatisfaction with the uh, community groups. The, the need for, you know, we're, we're all of the wanting to be thinking of the agile mindset as opposed to, you know, this practice of like core scrum or pure Kanban or safe or less. We, you know, we all prescribe everybody that we'd met at that conference all prescribed to, um, I think, Stephen, you refer to it as the agile smorgasbord. Um, we, so we all were very like-minded people. Uh, And it made sense to get this community group going. So we spent probably about two months on Slack. And, you know, it came to the realization that, hey, out of this Slack channel, uh, we're putting out more content and it's useful content and helping each other and helping people and putting a body of knowledge together that's free. Um, And then we realized that the free version of Slack only lets you go up to about 10,000 messages and we were starting we were starting to lose all of those great docs we were sharing back and forth. And we're like, we really need to turn this thing into a community. And so we explored a number of different messaging technologies. Uh we ended up with Discourse uh, as as what our platform kind of runs on. And so we went out and we put it out there on the interweb and we started promoting it um we you know we're we're up to about nine board members we still have some spots left uh to fill but the community is up it's live we we have right now close to 500 users uh on the site which is awesome um but it, you know at the same time we only of those 500 people that join there's more people viewing and absorbing and reading the content than we would like contributing so You know, we're, it's, we've almost gone into startup mode where we're trying to figure out what kind of experiments that we can run with our, our small community that randomly keeps growing every day. Uh, we, we have about four people trickle in, uh, a day. Uh, and, and they're depending on when we release bigger ticket items, um, you know, it, it picks up, but we're starting to run those experiments on figuring out how to get more people engagement, uh, get more, more content. Um, we've had some really great discussions around the scrum master role, um, test automation, um, manual testers versus automated testers. Like the, the kind of stuff that's coming out in that, in those discussion threads are, you know, almost book worthy in some cases. It's
0: interesting that you mentioned agile Delaware because, um, when, when Don McIntyre and I started agile Delaware, we were of the same mindset, you know, like agile Philly happens and there's like a lot of people that are, you know, participating in agile Philly, but it takes place all the way out in, you know, various different areas which aren't accessible to the folks that are local to Wilmington. Right. And, and this entire area and the folks in Maryland feel like, well, we're caught between Philly and, and DC basically. So, you know, what's in it for us. Um, but yeah, when I, when I first heard of, um, this agile uprising movement, um, there's, there's actually one principle of the manifesto that really rubs me the wrong way, which is the most effective method of communication is face to face. Because in this day and age, with our technology and how the world is moving towards a more flat um, you know structure with with companies being multinational and so on, it's very difficult to say, hey look, we need to be face to face to communicate. So how do we deal with that? Um, so I was very excited about you know the uh, the notion or the opportunity for, Agile uprising to reconsider elements of the Agile Manifesto, especially since it you know it was conceived in 2001 and now we're in 2016. No changes have been made for like 15 years. So how agile is that, right?
2: (laughs) Exactly. And you know we have we have people from different. I mean we have we have people from London. We have people from India. Kind of communicating. So it's it's pretty awesome when I can when I wake up at. 545 and I can actually have a fine people from England uh, on the board so while I'm waiting for coffee um, you know I've been I've been messaging back and forth with folks in England about a problem that they were having with with team um, so being able to you know we we the moderators and as the board members we also offer up some free coaching um, to people that, that need help like we you know we put that out there is as a free service so we're, we're also adding some some free coaching hours uh out of this community so i was on an exchange with a with a uh, coach in in uh, the uk that was that was really struggling with um getting people to uh they're basically at the scale uh they, they were dealing with a really bad safe implementation and, and getting work broke down uh, so I was able to share with him some experimental work that we're doing with, uh, Epic mapping, which is a, it's just a spin-off of, uh, Jeff Patton's story mapping. And, uh, it's just story mapping upscaled into the actual portfolio. Uh, so we gave him some, I gave him some of the information on that, the success stories, and, and we were able to share that with him. He, he's, he, 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 um, he texted me in the middle of the day, uh, finishing out his day, um, and his... He, he pitched the idea, and they're, they're going to actually run the experiment at their company. We've, we've run it with some smaller portfolios, and it's been dramatically uh, successful. So to be able to give that to somebody else, have that conversation with them, provide them with the materials and the support to go try something completely different that uh, fix a problem in their organization, you know, it's, it's been really rewarding, too.
1: I'd like to think about that a little deeper actually that community that you're building that's pretty global and I, I had the privilege of serving on the Scrum Alliance board for about five years, and got to meet just so many different people, and they were struggling. It, almost all of them were struggling with, "Am I following the rules of Scrum, or should I move to Kanban?" And I always said to them, "You know, you should actually just be Agile." and And that seems to be that message seems to be lost. And I think Mike Cohn actually started that movement a number of years ago and said, "You know, one day the Agile brands will go away." And we'll just have people doing agile and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out, we'll figure out what part of which of these agile brands we're going to use. Is that part of the motivation? Cause it, you know, I think a, a part of the agile uprising, you're, you're talking about, you know, like almost like a manifesto 2.0. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit more about that and, and, and in the context of this global community that you've built?
2: Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the notion, I think that the agile manifesto is timeless. Um, as a, as a point in time. Um, but yeah, we are starting, you know, our group. And since we are pragmatic and we have the experience of this global community, we've really, um, you know, we've been proponents of what, you know, was, I think, I'm trying to remember the gentleman's name from, uh, Lisa Atkins Coach Camp. He helps, um, helps her out with, uh, I can't remember his name, but Michael Spade, there it is. So we were we were having a discussion with Michael Spade um, when he came up to an Agile Delaware event that we were at, and he was talking about the concept of a meta-framework. And that's where we, we ultimately kind of, we glommed onto that and we realized that the concept of the meta-framework fr- meta is actually a movement to just being agility, figuring out what types of problems that your organization has and then going to that well of, you know, existing practices. Um, you know, you know, maybe you're having a lot of code quality problems, but you don't do any test driven development. Well, that's, that's definitely not part of Scrum. It originated in XP. That was a piece that I can pull out and now say, all right, for our quality stuff, we're going to run a experiment. We're going to have teams do test driven development. And we're going to have teams that don't do test driven development and using that lean startup kind of you know mindset, be able to run those experiments, validate that, Hey, you know, putting this practice in came, you know, gave our um, gave us the quality boost that we needed. So let's, let's roll that out to some more teams and then keep running those experiments. So it it is, a, it is the movement towards, I think that you will see the brands melt away and this community group, promotes all of that. We we have a team, we had a with folks that were having a lot of problems with, you know, teams failing sprints. And when we suggested that they take elements of kanban uh, and the wip limits and then put that on their board and say that every developer can only have one task open until it's done and code reviewed, tested, etc., they actually started successfully comp- you know they successfully completed every single sprint after that what it was was just people pulling too many tasks into a sprint at one time um, so being able to being able to look to that uh, index of practices and know what they are when the when the potentially they fit a particular problem. Um, you know that is that is going to be the next iteration of Agile is, is just a group of practices that come together and you know form some type of execution model that your company can use uh, and it'll most likely need some level of experimentation and I think that the Lean Startup and the build measure and learn cycles that you know it promotes really sets a framework there to run experiments. Um, you know we ultimately look at. We, I spent a lot of time looking at Jason Little's change model or lean change management book to kind of come up with, you know, hey, are, you know, how are you get, taking some of that human aspects and elements into um, applying that on-demand plug-and-play kind of uh, component type uh, practices model? And, you know, I'm seeing less of a, an issue with uh, adoption once you're already in the mindset and your company's more into um actually doing the you know having an agile mindset and and applying those where we're i'm at the current company i'm kind of i'm stopping at to coach um it's a very different different um it's they don't have the mindset they're they're in the they're in the throes of doing their 3.0 version of their agile transformation And, you know, when we came in to do the transformation, we needed to ultimately, we said, look, you're going to be better off building your own framework uh, and and figuring out here are all your organizational deficiencies. Here's where you struggle to make decisions. Here's a set of practices that are ultimately going to get us being able to deliver stable uh, work to production. You're going to start to see a consistent value stream. Um, We ultimately couldn't sell them on just a uh, based on an assessment and this group of practices that that was going to be successful. So we ended up picking up, you know, three quarters of disciplined agile delivery because they liked that better than safe. I, you know, I, I let them kind of grab onto whatever scaling framework they were steering them directly away from Dean, uh, as much as I could. So it came down to, it it came down to less and dad. and they ended up going with us. So, you know, we, we picked up as much of, I, I picked up only the amount of that I needed to, to sell it to the organization that it was a prepackaged framework. And then we layered in on the business side, a lot of lean startup. We couldn't, I couldn't necessarily brand it with the concepts of lean startup, but the, uh, you know, with the name, but the concepts were there. We pulled those practices out of the lean startup and we injected them in the business we applied that, we're applying that uh, Epic mapping, which is the upscaled version of Jeff Patton's story mapping in to run their portfolio. We pulled in elements of less with the scaled product owner framework um, that they use. And, you know, at the, at the end of the day, they're using pretty much some good core scrum practices or Kanban plus XP. Um, and then, you know, we're adding DevOps in. So, you know, ultimately we started with something that felt safe, something that they knew that I could buy off the shelf and, you know, there were certifications for it. So like all of those kind of things, you know, help corporations feel warm and fuzzy. Um but when it came down to the mechanics of it, we literally assembled a mishmash of practices that ultimately fit together. We've run experiments to to prove out the validity of it and it's moved forward into a cohesive delivery model that isn't really that. It's not really the lean startup. It's not pure Scrum, but it's this hybrid model.
1: And and one of the questions I have then is when Scrum first came out, you know, about 15 years ago, and I would argue now we're at peak Scrum, when Scrum first came out, it really, you know, the the strength of Scrum is also its weakness, meaning its strength is that it addresses the development team. And sure, lots of people tried to adopt Scrum outside of, tech teams, but quite frankly, we as a community stole Scrum from a non-tech team, right? If you look at the history of Scrum, it came right from Japan, it came from the manufacturing industry. So because, you know, Schwaber et al. took Scrum and they've modified it and and adapted it to IT, do you make the argument that Scrum is um, old and just kind of needing a revision or that companies today are looking to make the entire organization more agile and we have to look beyond scrum and Kanban and all the other methodologies to have a more holistic approach for the whole entire organization.
2: So yes, scrum is scrum is, you know, it, it's been pulled out of one industry. re, you know, as you said, kind of polished up and then brought into it, um, you know, At the current client that we're at, they're a 325-year-old organization, and they they fit off that mindset um, in a gigantic bite because they've had the opportunity to be exposed to the learning consortium. Um, So their exposure to the learning consortium helped them realize that they needed to move to holistic agility. So right now, I'm literally coaching teams in their audit group. So the... You know, their internal audit, the, they audit software, they audit uh, financials, they do um, FDIC reporting. Um, ultimately, they're now, they use agile practices to deliver the work and they've actually helped increase the ability to deliver risk results in a more timely manner to the point where they've actually had some opportunities to mitigate fines during those audit processes because they were able to get the results faster. Uh, they've, they've, they've also started rolling that into their marketing communication channels. So now there's a significant number of direct mail uh, communications that you receive in the mail um, that, are, that have been sped up and are now being executed more efficiently and cheaper um, due to the uh, agile practices that have been able to be applied to the business. And as we keep getting those wins and those successes, um, you know, ultimately other areas of the business are like, boy, that's going to make us more efficient. We should we should get working on that. We've, you know, where the product owners were, you know, working with the business, the stakeholders, when we go to do a launch now, there is an agile team of business people that huddle around that product owner so that they know how to go execute on the marketing, how to how to get that uh, information ready to to be in line with the software teams. They're talk the marketing folks are talking to the software folks, and you know ultimately our market the marketing materials come together faster, um, and and we're able to increase the the speed to market. So you know those are the types of ideas that are also coming out in the agile uprising community. Is the the notion that you know. It's okay to do a bunch of different stuff. And if you don't know what kind of practices work, reach out and ask. Put a post out there. Somebody will find you and we will give you some type of answer, uh, or a place to look. One of the things, one of the projects that we're doing now is, is kind of going around with all the manifesto signers, um, that are going to be willing to talk to us. And we've been interviewing about, you know, what were you, what were you doing prior to Snowbird? Like when we when we went to do the Agile Madness, um, which is a March Madness style bracket um, information sharing about Agile Agile thought leaders, when we tried to look up um, information on Uncle Bob Martin or uh, Jim Highsmith, there wasn't a lot of information out there on the web that was easily accessible. that we could really pinpoint and and do you know have a good uh, write up of it, because the internet in two thousand one isn't the fast paced internet of 2016, where everything's online, everything's a blog, the the history of like anything is is pretty much at the finger at your fingertips, so we you know we've been circling back around with all the manifesto signers, uh, we recorded John Kern, we've, we've talked to we've recorded with Alistair, we recorded with Uncle Bob. But what the thing we've, we've been trying to capture is, what were you doing uh, before Snowbird? So we wanted, to, we wanted to give the community an artifact. We wanted to be able to give the community that time capsule that we were so frustrated by not um, being able to find when we went to go do this research on the rich history of agility. Um, so we spent, we spent some time on the, what were you doing prior to Snowbird, the actual event, we do a, a little segment of you know here's the retrospect basically the retrospective of uh, you know the last fifteen years what, how do you feel that the evolution of agile has actually happened um, and are you happy with it and it, and it's really interesting and you'll have to check out some of the the, the podcasts that we have uh, out on the agile uprising, um, but to hear Uncle Bob Martin tell me you know, that he's totally not interested in agile outside of T. He just wants to focus on development. You know, there are definitely folks that don't see that mind that, that, you know, they have the agile mindset, but they're just not interested in that aspect. They they want to stick with their community. So,
0: yeah, to- totally. I mean, we've, we've talked to to Bob Martin and uh, you know, Dean and, and Ken Schwaber and so on. And, and I totally get what you're saying. You know, they're, they're, Hyper focused on technology, while other guests are are saying, you know, are are talking about agile beyond it and and so on. I think it really boils down to what what philosophy and what practices work best for your organization. Don't you agree?
2: And I and I definitely and, and I definitely agree with that. Um, it's all in context. It's all within you know your space. and and what you're doing so you know as we move forward and we finish up the the manifesto signer um, retrospective time capsule uh, project that we're doing we're going through and and starting to gather um, principles and practices and we're going to provide to the community a a more consolidated view online of, of a lot of those principles and practices so that when you have that problem, you can come in and find it and, uh, you know, plan to apply it. Um, so that that's one of the projects that we have on the, the horizon for the um, Agile Uprising is, you know, a content glossary of when with all of these principles and practices. And amazingly enough, there's enough supporting threads developing in the actual community channel that we can literally feed information into that topic based on discussions in other threads. So if you want to read about test-driven development, uh, you know, you can come find the actual artifact test-driven development, what it means, when when it could be very useful for you, which is always, oh. but <laughs> that's, that's, most people, that that's debatable. But, um, and then you can actually reference threads of people actually talking about test-driven development when they use it, when they've solved the problem. So being able to create this cross-functional database of factual information from like books and the interweb and then actual people talking about it. I mean, we think it's gonna be a, a gigantic uh, valuable asset to, to deliver to the community, which you know hopefully ultimately sets us up to start being just agile, to get away from the brands. Um, we're still trying to figure out how to change corporate mindset of, you know, it's okay to buy something that doesn't have a certification associated with it. I'm glad that Scrum is still out there. I'm glad that Scrum is still certifying people. Because it I think a lot of the world would not get into agility or would not find agility with without Scrum because of its its gateway, the way it's packaged. I don't necessarily agree with the the you know, the direction that, you know, the owners of it, or are, are necessarily going with it at all times, um, because I do believe it's not just for software, and I don't always believe, you know, I, I don't fundamentally believe that it should. The cost of entry should be so significantly high, um, but at the same time, you know, it brings so many people to agility. Now, if we can take that capitalization of bringing those people to agility and finding a way to spark that mindset um, to bring them more towards the community to, to deliver, you know, actually bring back more agility into their organization, you know, that's that's going to be the key. Scrum can, you know, it's it's like a good fishing lure. You can get them hooked, but the rest of the, this community is going to be what's really. We need to find a way to really reel them into the community. And, and to the to the mindset because um, there's still so I land in so many corporations that just do are just going through the motions and just doing you know water scrumfall um, so you know that that's going to be another big mission of the the community is is how to to build awareness um, and we think that a lot of the free content that we're going to put out there you know it's geared we have stuff particularly geared towards scrum to bring you into the fold to then have your mind opened up hopefully to to deliver you to more towards a mindset
1: so thinking of that mindset and the unique perspective that you have by being um you know you're part of an organization that has global reach you also have um interviewed a lot of those original you know 17 of the agile manifesto signers um you know one of the questions we ask all our guests and you've been alluding to a lot of this but i just like kind of want to contextually frame it now one of the questions we asked our guests right before the end of the show is what are your thoughts where Agile is going to next? It's actually the whole premise of our show. So I'm curious what your perspective is because you, um, you might not realize it, but you actually have a really fortunate position to, um, you know, have a unique perspective.
2: So where, where do we see Agile going next? Um, you know, kind of, a, kind of well, just to go back to the conversation that we've had kind of over the course of the podcast, you know, we, I definitely see the, you know, the brands melding away. Uh, and the the packaging of agility as a, as an actual framework that is that is something that is definitely gonna happen. It probably won't happen you know in the next five years, but it's it's a direction that people are moving to um, quickly. I think that the next big step is getting into to leadership and business agility. I think that those are gonna be the next those are the groundbreaking uh areas that have already started to kind of open up. There's cracks, there's some light coming in. Um, and, you know, with probably within the next year, the, the floodgate's gonna open up on, you know, leadership, agile in leadership um, and agile um, for the business, business agility, whether it's a blend of, you know, the lean startup and those types of practices, the, the actual mindset shift of businesses realizing that there's better ways to do things that we need to be more lean, we need to eliminate waste to, to be more efficient. That's where I see agility going next. Is the is the opening up of people's minds to to those practices that are going to help them either be leaner, um, more efficient, uh, and and have a you know a people first kind of mindset. I think that as you know as more of the baby boomers kind of Uh, roll out of corporations and more and more millennials and the next generation of folks funnel in, you know, we're going to be in a world where command and control just will not stand up. I mean, I have, I literally talked to, I was interviewing a, a younger, younger kid who's really qualified, a really smart guy. Like he would have been a gigantic asset to the company. Um, And we, we lost him to another job because of our culture and the leadership and that mentality of command and control and not putting your people first and not doing process for process sake. When he, he actually asked me about, okay, how am I going to get some, um, how am I getting this piece of, how am I getting the requirements for this piece of software and what am I going to do? And so I went through the whole nightmare process to get this done. And he's like, I can't work in an environment like that. It's. There's too many controls. Um, so really, I think that as, as as the as the older next as the as the previous generation rolls out, we have this influx of education around business agility, leadership, and the influx of all this new blood and new talent. You know, there the birth of Agile 2.0 is is real. The the expansion of the mindset is there
0: yeah and and you're you know you're so involved in many different aspects of of uh you know the agile community um uh, scrum and 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 so on so talk to us a little bit about what's on the horizon for you james i mean what do you have planned in like say the next six months uh year and so on
2: so in the in the you know in the upcoming in up- in but in the upcoming Bit of first part of 2017, um, I'm launching. We're I'm ultimately launching my first startup. A group of a group out of the Agile Uprising actually got together, uh, people we met online, and we started a. uh, We're starting a startup called Agile Insights, Um, and it's it's basically a data driven um, tool to to actually make your you know help your company achieve agility. Uh, it, it's actually an engine that looks at you know five, five parameters of happiness, um, business value, uh, quality, uh, flow based metrics, and uh, ultimately agile fluency. So um, we've you know we've, I've been doing a lot of this crazy stuff on paper with Excel sheets and data out of ALM tools, uh, and actually looking and, and random surveys for happiness and actually building models around data-driven coaching um, because a lot of the companies we land in, you know, they, it's one Agile coach per 20 teams. And to to give these teams the love they need to grow and mature, you have to be able to figure out how to, to navigate that. So we kind of started working on tools and applying mm-hmm. logic um, to really to really drive uh, the ability to do change and change management and run experiments and track your validated learning around running those products. So that's, a, that's the next big thing. We also will have, uh, there'll be the Heart of Agile Pittsburgh, um, which will be spring, um, late spring in uh, 2017. And the Agile Uprising may ultimately have a conference in 2017 it's it's depending on how how much uh, time I have I have to dedicate to, to it since we we're full we're full in full swing on doing our own set of podcasts uh, and making content and information available to the community at, at no charge um, and then you know like I like we said when we first got on You know, I'm I'm ultimately targeting to try to speak at about five different conferences. So hopefully, you know, we've some hopefully I hit I get to hit the Global Scrum Gathering uh this year again in San Diego and uh Mile High Agile are the are the next two on the horizon that I'm waiting to find out whether I'm I'm going to San Diego and Denver. So um and I, I actively blog at uh, scramando.com.
1: Well, well, James, aka Scramando, it's been a pleasure getting to know you over the last year since we met in Phoenix, and it's been awesome having you on the show, uh, taking part in a great conversation with Daniel and myself. Thanks again for coming on the show.
2: Thanks, guys.
0: Next time on Algol Next, we have Al Shalloway. A big Agile Next thank you to our sponsors, Fresco Capital and Applebrook Consulting. Visit Fresco Capital at frescocapital.com and Applebrook Consulting at applebrook.com. We hope to see you next week on Agile Next. In the meantime, check out our website at agilenext.tv.